This sermon was preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church of Fallbrook, California on Sunday, August 8th, 2021. It was based on John chapter 6, verses 24 to 35. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to John chapter 6. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Imagine with me, it's the the start of your second full week of vacation. Already behind you is a full week of no email, voicemail, or mail mail, or or anything. You've you've golfed, you've shopped, you've finished two books already. Now it's Monday morning, and the poolside server has just handed you a drink. You put your hands behind your head as you lounge. An extra week of of enjoyment is, is ahead of you. You take a deep breath, and what do you say? You say, now this, this is existence. No, no, it's not what you say. It's not what I'd say. What you'd actually say is, now this is the life. This is the life. See, there's living, and then there's living. We intuitively sense the difference, and it's that difference that Jesus is accentuating in today's gospel from John chapter 6. But in this case, he's not talking about the difference between the daily grind and restful luxury. No, he's actually building a bridge from our common experience to some common, uncommon wisdom. From common experience to uncommon wisdom. He's digging down to the root of what it means to actually live, not just to exist, but to flourish on every single day and in every single circumstance. You know, people have, have called Jesus the master teacher because of his remarkable ability to make profoundly powerful points in remarkably accessible and understandable ways. And over the last few weeks, we have seen Jesus setting up this particular moment setting things up slowly and steadily for one of his most famous and most important sayings, what we heard today. 
Now, remember the scene. We're relatively early in the ministry of Jesus. Large crowds are still seeking him out. He's got a well-deserved reputation as a healer and a, and a miracle worker. He's fed 5,000 men and their companions with just five loaves of bread and two fish. So he's gotten people's attention. And he's gotten people's attention with food, with sustenance, the very stuff that keeps you alive. And right when the people are thinking, all right, I, I need health, this man provides. I need food, this man delivers. I need to survive, this man makes it possible. That's precisely the moment, Jesus says, not so fast. Now you're starting to get it, but, but now that I have your attention, there's more to consider. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate. You ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Now, to understand what Jesus is getting at when he says, do not work for food that spoils, we need to follow some of the clues here. Recall how this conversation then turned to the time when God gave miraculous bread to the Israelites in, the, in their wilderness journey, recorded in the Old Testament book of Exodus. That account is crucial to our understanding of what Jesus is saying. See, there was something curious about God's miraculous manna. You, you may have noticed it when we read that reading today in our service. There was, <clears throat> there was no way to stockpile it. The instruction was to take only as much as your family needed for the day. And anyone who tried to save some found the stuff would spoil so badly it would be crawling with maggots the very next morning. I mean, this puts bananas to shame in terms of how fast it would spoil. Now, do you see what God was teaching? He's saying, look, if you trust me completely, you'll find I won't let you down. I will feed you every day. If you don't trust me, if you think what matters is for you to take matters into your own hands, your food will spoil. In other words, we can, we can really, I think, say this, this account of this spoiling food is kind of just a practical outcome of breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods, which in, in our small catechism is explained this way. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all all things. So you get from that account, which Jesus is alluding to, that he's talking about, and you get to Jesus, who's the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament scriptures, and he says, just like it was then, so it is with me. Anything you look to in life to somehow get ahead, to somehow move from merely existing, just having your, your belly full, to really, truly, actually living, it's going to spoil. He's saying you're, you're going to have to still fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And Jesus is saying, I'm that God in whom you should love and fear and trust above all things. Do you see how he's talking about food, but more than food? He's building a bridge from something we know from common experience, and he's building it across to some uncommon wisdom. And of course, do you see how, how right he is? We all have a hunger, don't we? And I'm not talking just, you know, I'm thinking about lunch. It's a hunger beyond hunger, a place we wish every road would lead. A deep desire for goods that sometimes seem completely elusive. Of course, we, we want the basics like food, clothing, shelter. 
We have a deep desire to continue to just at least exist, but we want even more, don't we? We want to live. We want to flourish. We want someone who we know will love us, no matter our flaws. We want someone to right the wrongs in the world, because there's a lot of wrongs to right. We want beauty so rich we can actually enter into it. We want to forever enjoy those timeless moments of feasting with friends and family when all the cares of the world seem to melt away and the clock itself seems to just kind of fade into nothing. We want our emotions to feel balanced and healthy. We want our anxieties to release their grip on us. We want to be of sound body and sound mind. We want to be free to flourish as human beings were meant to flourish, as we, as we sense they were meant to flourish. We have this hunger beyond hunger. We want those things. And because we're so hungry, we go looking for anything and everything that might possibly satisfy you. you you've been in that position before. You're starving. You open the fridge or you open the pantry, and, and suddenly what? A, a whole tube of Oreos is gone. An entire jar of salsa or a bag of chips just, woof, gone. That's how we do things spiritually as well. But no matter what we keep finding, we keep finding that Jesus was right all along. Everything we seek to satisfy such a spiritual hunger only leaves us empty. And even worse, if we try to kind of stockpile that and try to make that everything, it spoils, kind of spoils. Anyone who tries to fill themselves up on youth and beauty only becomes bitter and anguished as the years make them old and gray. We all know examples of people who couldn't really move from one season of life to another and became kind of sad and sorry examples of dissatisfaction later in life. Anyone who seeks to satisfy their soul on wealth and success inevitably finds they are on the proverbial hamster wheel, working themselves into hypertension and heart attacks to get enough money to buy something they discover was never for sale in the first place. Anyone who expects their children or their spouse or a, or a girlfriend or boyfriend, some relationship, to be there all in all, they end up crushing the people whose love they crave, crush them under the weight of that kind of expectation. And before long, everyone around you learns being someone's idol is a terrible, thankless job, and they'll learn to steer clear. I mean, this, this pattern is obvious. I think if you take some time this week and reflect on that basic pattern, you'll, you'll come up with some examples of your own, from your own life. Anything you seek in order to move from existence, just getting by, to something more, to really flourishing and being complete and whole, it's gonna, if it's not Jesus, it's going to spoil. It's going to let you down. But Jesus is that notable exception. He says today, I am the bread of life. He announces, when you come to me, when you believe in me, you get the bread. You get what you need. He's saying, I can sustain your anguished soul. I can carry the weight of your expectations. I can fill the part of your life 
with, a, with the kind of hope it takes to fill a human being. I can overcome your deepest fears and your gravest sins. It doesn't happen at the snap of a fingers. This is, this is a, a lifelong relationship with Christ for these gifts. But he says, I am capable of being your ultimate, your everything. So that by having me, everything else, all the blessings in your life that my Father gives you, they don't have to be ultimate. They can be what, what some have called penultimate. That is, just before ultimate. They're, they're important, but not the, the thing itself. Then you can really appreciate the rest of them. You can cherish them. Because they don't have to be everything. Jesus Christ is the truest food. He makes it possible not just to exist, but to flourish, to live. But for him to offer this, I think you know, he had to die. We always come back to this, but, but he always made sure we came back to this. Think about, think about how things work in this world. Everything you eat in order to live has to die. The tri-tip you like so much came from a cow. The, the, the chicken thighs, you know why they call them chicken thighs? Because it's the thigh of a chicken that once was alive. Even tofu, tofu, came from something that was once a living organism. So it is with Christ. You, you see, that endless hunger we have, that, that hamster we hold, that endless gnawing nothing, is caused by something. It doesn't come from nothing. It's caused by sin, which in turn causes death, which in turn causes us to live in the shadow and fear of death. That's where it comes from. You're in the constant cruel logic of death that says, you know, time is short, there's not enough, and in the end you will not be loved, and in the end wrongs will not be made right, and in the end you will just simply decay. With, if that's the sort of the situation, yeah, we're going to kind of just bite each other to pieces, trying to make the most of our short little time. And since that was the problem, Jesus went through it. He was broken, he was crushed, he was killed. Not only that, the anguish he endured on the cross is the kind of anguish we feel when we are spiritually hungry, but in him it was all the spiritual hungers multiplied across all the people, across all time. This is, this is an eternal suffering he went through. But this is what he went through so that by such a death we might have life. Because his death was not any ordinary death, it was the death of a blameless victim. Uh, this is the death of a holy God, which is something death itself was not qualified to handle. So the bread of life is still the bread of life because the bread of life is a person who's alive right now, but isn't just alive right now like we are, but is alive right now and even after he was once dead. He rose victorious from the grave, and in his resurrection he rendered moot the whole logic of death, the fear of it, the shadow of it. So for now, now for us, uh, time is not short. It's not short. For us, time will be endlessly new and fresh. There's never going to be a time when we can actually say, you know, time is short. It's not true. The Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. It means it's always fresh. Even if the time goes on, it's always fresh in God. Someone will right the wrongs in the end, and all creation will acclaim God as just. And that will be a glorious day. There's always going to be someone who loves you no matter what he discovers about you. Indeed, he already knows every dark secret you have, and he died to forgive them all and welcome you into a new land and a new life. In Christ, you have the ultimate someone. You've got the bread of life who moves you from merely existing 
just getting by, scratching and clawing, to what it means to live, to truly live. And with a God like that, I mean, it's, it's impossible for, for such a thing to not have some kind of practical consequences. You know, the Israelites' faith in God and his ability to provide in the wilderness, it produced fruit in the form of faithful living, didn't it? And so it is with us. So you don't want to forget, then, what Jesus is calling you to in this, this kind of text. He's offering something amazing, and he's calling you to nothing less than a change in diet. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the next couple of weeks, because Jesus continues this discourse and kind of zeroes in on that, that subject. But for now, you can start mulling it over. I mean, you know how hard it is to change your physical diet, don't you? Now, changing your spiritual diet can be just as difficult. But in Christ, if you turn to him, he will not fail to feed you. That's what we're going to learn. And, and the other practical outcome for this, though, is that, that you can't really stockpile God's gifts. Remember that. This is something you do daily. Uh, no, one, no one says, you know, I'm really excited because today is Sunday. And this is the day of the week I, I actually get to eat on, you know, I don't eat on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. In fact, sometimes I, I actually only eat on Sunday every third week. That's, that's how it goes. No, no one, no one does that with food. No one does that with food. Jesus is meant to be daily bread, our daily source of comfort, a daily source of sustenance, something we you know, would probably hope to put in at least as much time in that relationship as we do on our relationship with food. And so if on any single day we're turning to someone or something besides God, things start to go sour, they spoil. In fact, this, this might be why sometimes by the time Friday comes around, things are pretty rotten. Do not work for food that spoils. The practice of feasting on the bread of life is daily for every day of life. Come to this bread and you'll find what it means when Jesus says you'll never go hungry. He's not saying your tummy will never growl again, but he is saying that anyone who finds in him their all in all will discover that even a trip to the grave cannot and will not interrupt what Christ has accomplished and what Christ has promised to deliver you. Bread that endures to new morning mercies that never end. New morning mercies that begin today, tomorrow, the next, and don't ever stop. Amen. Now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.